Hey, good morning, Authentic Life Church. It's good to be with you guys today. Uh, thank you to Emily uh, for your welcome and your announcements. Thank you to Becky for leading us in worship. Hey guys, this is week number three of us gathering and worshiping together online. And I know many of you guys, like myself, have been praying that God would bring healing and bring an end to, to this virus, and He can do that. But isn't it just comforting to know that this pandemic, this virus, didn't catch God by surprise? Uh, in fact, He's still at work through it all. Uh, he's at work in your life. He's at work in my life. He's at work in our marriages and in our families. And He's at work in our church. And guys, He's at work in our communities. Last week, we saw in Psalm 46 that no matter what is going on in the world around us, no matter what it is, God never ceases being God. And so what a great reminder that is and a great promise. I'm grateful that we have the ability to use this technology to come together and be united as the local church. Uh, we've seen many new people watch online. We've seen many of our church family watch online. Uh, we've seen our life groups continue to gather and make it a priority to meet online and stay connected in that way. And so I'm, I'm glad to see that. Uh, recently, uh, I've had uh, conversations, I've heard from many Christians and, and pastors and others talk about what it's going to look like when we're able to come back together safely once this is all done. And for some, there's excitement to see how God has been at work and how God's going to use this, uh, how we've grown and how we're going to continue to grow and how we're going to keep our mind focused on Christ. Uh, but for many, uh, there's a concern that, that many in the church, in the local body, the people of God, there's this concern that people are going to get comfortable. Uh, they're going to wake up on Sunday mornings, uh, stay in their jammies, stay home, and just stick with the online uh, version of gathering. I'm going to tell you, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes you really don't know what you have until you don't have it, right? Until you just don't have it anymore. You just don't realize the value and what you have until it's not there anymore. And I'm going to tell you what, I know it's only been three weeks, but I really miss you guys. I really miss gathering in person with you guys. Um, and it's not just because I'm extroverted. I know that makes it more difficult, probably more on my wife, right? But I think it's because, church, I think it's because it's God's design for us to be together. It's His design for us to come to worship and sing and study the Word of God and serve and laugh and cry and pray together. It's God's design for us to do life together to care for one another, to visit one another, to take care of each other, to, to, to be on mission together. Paul, in some of his writings in the New Testament, he uses this phrase that would describe how I hope all of us are feeling right now. He uses the phrase of this. He says, I long to see you. I desire to see you. Sometimes he's saying it to a friend, a brother or sister in Christ, but, but he, he also says it most of the time to the local church, to the church that he's talking to. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, I really like what he says. Paul says to this church, he says, Brothers and sisters, after we were forced to leave you for a short time in person, but not in heart, we greatly desired and made every effort to see you face to face. So we wanted to come to you. As followers of Jesus, there is this desire within us to be with Him, to be with the Lord, to walk with Him and to spend time with Him. 
But there is also this God-given desire within each of us, if we know the Lord, because it's His design, there's this desire within us to be together with the church, to be together with the church family, with one another. And so my hope is this, is that when we are able, we're going to have this huge desire to see each other's faces in person and realize more deeply the value and the need for us to be together at Authentic Life Church as a family. But I'm so glad that we have the opportunity to come together in this way, right? And be devoted and united right here online. As we think about our message for this week and next week, in case you didn't know, this this morning is known as Palm Sunday. Next week is Easter. And I just want to encourage you, as we approach Easter, we have a great opportunity to invite our, our friends and our neighbors and our family to join us on Easter morning as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. So I just want to encourage you guys to call or text or or message them, share the link, share the invites so that they can hear why we celebrate. They can tune in and hear and learn about the love of Jesus and what he did for them personally on the cross. And so that they can know that Jesus didn't stay in that tomb, but he rose again just as he said he would. So make sure that we're using the invites And we're using the technology that God has given us and we're using those links and share those with those around you so they can join us for Easter morning next Sunday. This morning is Palm Sunday. This is the day that we celebrate where Jesus enters into Jerusalem to begin his last week before he would go to the cross. And as Jesus entered into that city, Mark 11 tells us that Jesus came into the city, not riding on a big, powerful, majestic horse, but he came in humbly riding on a colt. And the people, knowing Jesus was about to make his entrance, they knew he was coming. They gathered into this large crowd and they lined the streets. And they threw down their coats and they threw down their palm branches. And they did this because this was what they did to welcome in royalty. That was the practice to welcome in a king. And as Jesus rode in, they were shouting. And one of the things they shouted out was this, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. On Palm Sunday, Jesus was celebrated and cheered and he received a royal, a kingly welcome. But as we know later that week, we don't find a crowd celebrating him as king at that point. But there was a crowd gathered yelling, crucify him. Crucify him. The first crowd, they had this idea of who they wanted Jesus to be. Many saw him as a political or military leader, the one who would rescue them from the Romans. But Jesus, church, Jesus came for a much bigger reason than to rescue those people from the Romans. He came to rescue them and all of us from sin. He came to rescue us from hell. And they didn't realize who Jesus was and why he was there. They didn't know or they refused to believe it. This morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 16. If you want to join us in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 16. And at this point, Jesus is surrounded by his disciples, those that are closest to him. And he asked them the question, who do you say that I am? And when we think about it, our answer to that question 
If we look at that question personally, our answer to that question just might be the most important question that you ever answer in your entire life. Because Jesus, because of our sin, Jesus calls us to turn to Him. And then He calls us to to learn from Him and to imitate Him and to follow Him. And if we see Jesus as just a political leader or some kind of military leader, or if we see Jesus only as a good guy or only as a good teacher, then that's how we're going to respond to him. That's how we will follow him. But if we see Jesus as he truly is, then that too will determine how we respond and follow him. And so would you join me by opening up your Bibles and join me in Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to read, we're just going to start by reading verses 13 through 18, and then we'll cover the rest of the text as we go through it. But grab your Bibles, your tablets, your phones, whatever it is that you are using to read the Word of God. If you don't have a Bible, first of all, if you don't have a Bible, we would love to send you one. Send us a message and we'll mail you one for free, uh, a brand new Bible for you to keep. Uh, But I just encourage you to, to open up your Bible. But if you don't have one, their words will be on the screen as I read this morning. So Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 13. Here's what God's word tells us. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, Who do you say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some said John the Baptist and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter answered and he said, You are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Let's pray together, church. God, we we love you. And God, as we celebrate Palm Sunday and we begin to celebrate and think about Good Friday and Easter, God, we pray, Lord, that, that we would see you as king of our lives. But not as a political king or a a, a military king, but God as the king that you are. God, we pray, Lord, that, that as we study today, that we would understand who you are and why you came and what that means for us. Help us understand, God, how we can follow you. God, I pray for those today that are listening. Maybe they'll hear the gospel for the first time or the hundredth time, but they don't know you as their Savior, God. And we pray, Lord, that you would draw them near to you and that they would be saved today. And God, I pray, Lord, for us that that know you as our Savior. God, help us be reminded of who you are and what you did and the life that you call us to live. And so, God, I pray, Lord, that we would have a, a submissiveness to us today, Just an attitude of submission to you to hear what you have to say to us. And God, help us respond in a way that is obedient and honoring to you. So God, I pray, Lord, that you're glorified today. Thank you that we get to gather in Jesus' name. Amen. So when we look at this text, church, Jesus asked two different questions here. First, in verse 13, he asked them, he said, hey, guys, talking to his disciples, those that follow around with him. He says, who do others say that the Son of Man is? Who do others say that I am? 
And that's an important question. And here's how they respond. It's important because we need to know what those around us think about Jesus. Here's what they said. And they said, some say John the Baptist and others, Elijah and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So there seems to be a bit of confusion as to who he is. Here's one thing they do. They, they give a list of some pretty good guys, right? Throughout the history, these are some really godly men. But all of them have one thing in common. None of these guys are still living. And so for some, they know Jesus is special, but they aren't exactly sure who he is. I think we see that today in our world today. If you go out and you ask people this question, you're going to get a mixed response. If you ask people, who is Jesus? Who do you say Jesus is? You'll get a mixed response. You're driving down the road. I've seen bumper stickers that says Jesus is a liberal or Jesus is a conservative, right? You, you just see those things. I've heard people actually argue on whether or not Jesus is a Democrat or a Republican, right? And, and they, there's a lot of discussion on who Jesus is. We try to kind of fit Jesus into a way that we can understand him or fit, in, fit him into a box that we can understand. Many, if you ask the question, who do you say that Jesus is? Many are willing to say, hey, Jesus was a really good guy. Jesus was a great teacher. Jesus was a guy worth following. They might say, man, he was a guy that did a lot of great things. In fact, there are some that will say that Jesus is a God, but they won't say that he is the God. So who is he and why does that matter? What does that mean for us? I want us to understand something this morning. It matters the answer to that question. Because as a church body, who we say Jesus is as a church will determine everything about how we follow him. It matters in your personal life. As you're listening right now, it matters how you answer that question because who you say Jesus is will determine everything about how you follow him. If you think Jesus, that he was just here, right, just to be a good guy or a Republican or a Democrat or however you want to classify him, that will determine how you follow Jesus. If you see him as some kind of great guy or a man that did some really good things in life, if you see him as some really spiritual guy or even as a created God, that will determine how you follow him. Jesus in Acts 1.8 tells us as Christians, he says that we are to be his witnesses. We are to go and tell others about Jesus and who he is. Because many in the world around us, they just don't know. So we have the privilege to do that. And so Jesus, during this time, he's sitting down with his disciples still and he asks them, who do others say that I am? And then he turns to those that are closest to him, those that have walked with him and ministered with him. And he asks them the question in verse 15. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Let that question sit with you for a second. Who do you say that Jesus is? Knowing what others say about Jesus is important. Knowing what others say about him is one thing. We do want them to know the truth about Jesus. We need to tell them the truth about Jesus. But what matters right here and right now in this personal moment is this. Who do you say that Jesus is? And that very well may be the most important question in your entire life. And here's why. 
Because your answer to that question, this is just the reality, your answer to that question will determine your eternity. Your answer to that, that question, it will determine how you follow or not follow Jesus. And so in our passage this morning, we're going to see the answer to that question, who Jesus is. We're also going to see what it looks like, I believe, to, to follow. What does it look like to follow Jesus? And so in verse 13, Jesus asked his disciples, he's having a personal moment with them. And he asked his disciples, and I believe he's asking us a very personal question. Throughout his ministry and life, Jesus invited people into a personal relationship with him. He's still doing that today. And so he's got these men, they're always around him, they're serving with him, they're doing life with him, and he asks them a very personal question. Hey guys, who do you say that I am? When it comes to following Jesus, if we want to be fully committed followers of Jesus, here's the first thing. You must first know Jesus personally. Notice I didn't say you must be religious or you must do this or check this off or say this prayer or do these certain things, say these certain things a certain amount of times. I'm not saying that at all. Jesus is asking a very personal question. And for us to follow Jesus, we must first know Jesus personally. I think you can even fill that in and say, fill in those blanks and say, know Jesus intimately. Know who Jesus is personally. Know what the Word of God, know what the Bible says about Him. Know His heart, read of His goodness, read of His amazing grace and His love for you. Know that Jesus, God, came to be with you and He came personally for you. He died for you and He rose again and He wants a personal relationship with you. Know that about Him. So the question to you this morning is, who do you say that He is? Not what do others say. Who do you say that he is? Do you know Jesus personally? Maybe we just need to think about that. Do you know Jesus personally? And then we see Peter's response. Peter's often referred to as the spokesman for the other disciples. He likes to talk a lot, right? And he answers in verse 16, Simon Peter answered. He's talking to Jesus and he says, Jesus, he says, you are the Christ. The son of the living God. That word Christ is the same word for Messiah. You're the promised one. You're the savior. And you're the son of the living God, which, which means that you are God the son. You're the second in the trinity. You're the son of the living God. When Jesus asked that question, who do you say that I am? If Peter would have said, well, you know, Jesus, these guys might be right. Right? You might be this cool dude that can do some pretty cool stuff, right? You're this really good person that's caring and loving. And hey, you're a great teacher. And they would have followed him as such if that was their answer. They might hang out with him and they watch him do some cool things, right? They might enjoy the crowds that, that come along. They might even ask for the ability to do some of the things that he was doing. They might even enjoy serving and helping alongside him. If Peter were to look at Jesus that way, here's the reality. We're talking about following Jesus this morning, knowing him and following him. If Peter were to look at Jesus that way as just a good guy or a good teacher, 
There'd be no reason for Peter or any of the disciples or us to, to listen to Jesus when he tells us this is how you should live. There would be no reason for, for Peter to sacrifice. There would be no reason for Peter or the disciples or us to be committed to do what Jesus says. There would be no reason to confess and walk away from our sinful life and change how we do life. But he says, Jesus, you are the Christ. You're the promised one. You're the Messiah. You are the Savior. You are the Son of the living God. Peter's saying, you're the promised one. You're Emmanuel, God with us, that has come to take away the sins of the world. Jesus, you are Lord. You are the second in the Trinity. You are God the Son. Jesus, you are God with us. The Savior. That's who you are. And that right there, knowing Jesus personally, knowing who he is, personally changes everything about how Peter and the disciples and how we will follow him. You're a good guy, Jesus. So I'll follow you when it's popular or convenient. I might listen to you when you, when you speak. But when we know Jesus personally, we know, when we know who he is and realize that Jesus is Lord that he's God, that he's the promised one that came to save us from our sins, we tend to respond differently. So church, know who he is. Know him personally. Do you know Jesus personally? And I love what Jesus says next. Peter says, Jesus, you are the Christ. You're the Savior. You're the Son of the living God. And verse 17, Jesus said to him, he says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Jesus is saying it wasn't the religious leaders who gave Peter the answer. It wasn't the crowds. It wasn't the others that Jesus was talking about earlier. It was God the Father who opened his eyes, who revealed to Peter who Jesus really was. God the Father opened his heart to have a deeper understanding of who this was right in front of him. And Peter responds, he responds, church, by, by making a personal confession made known to him by God. Think about this. Is God trying to tell you today? Is God trying to tell you, hey, you need to know Jesus? You need to trust in Jesus. You need to know that Jesus is the one that came for you. He's the only way to be saved, the only way for salvation. This is Jesus right here in front of you. God with us, the Savior of the world, your Savior. Do you know him personally? Do you need to hear God say that to you today? Do you know that Jesus is in fact the Christ, the Savior? Do you know that he's God? And that he came personally to be God with us and save us? And so for us to follow Christ, the first step is to know him personally. Know him personally. Know who he is. And the second thing we see from this text is this. Church, we must trust Jesus entirely. Not a little bit. Not most of the time. Trust Jesus entirely. There was a world around Jesus and the disciples that had rejected Jesus. They had different ideas of who he was. 
They didn't really know who he was, but Jesus speaking for himself, and I believe for the rest of the crew, he says, hey man, Jesus, we know that you are not John the Baptist. We know that you're not Elijah. We know that you're no other man. You're so much more than that. And watch what happens here. Peter says this. He says, Jesus, we know and trust that you're the Christ. We know you're the promised Messiah, right? You're the son of the living God. You're the one, Jesus, that came to rescue and save us. And Jesus says, hey, Peter, blessed are you because this was revealed revealed to you by the Father in heaven. And you heard him. You trusted him. We have a tendency to place our trust in so many things, so many other things. But Jesus is the only one that deserves our full trust. Others have and will, things have and will, they'll fail us at some point. Even the most trustworthy person, the most trustworthy thing. But Jesus never has and never will fail you. And so Peter heard from God and he trusted. And then Jesus in verse 18 says this, He goes on to say, he goes, I also say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades or the gates of death or the gates of hell will not overpower it. So Peter makes this amazing and true confession. He says, Hey, I've heard it from God. I know that Jesus, you are the Christ. I know you are the savior. You are God, the son. And what Jesus says back to him is this, that, that confession that you just had, right? Right, based on your confession, I will build my church. Guys, here's a reason we can trust Jesus. He is the rock. He is the foundation. He is the cornerstone. He is the head of the church. We can trust him. Other reasons we can trust Christ. It is Jesus, God, the Son, that builds his church. And that's really good news because if that's left in our hands to build, man, that will crumble. But Jesus says, I will build my church. Nothing, even the most powerful tool of evil can't overcome it. Think about it this way. I'm not much of a craftsman when it comes to building things, but I do know this. If I wanted a deck built and I have people come over, a bunch of people that have no clue what they're doing, there's no way I'm walking out on that deck. I'm not going to put my trust in them or in that deck my trust will be placed in the, in the people that know what they're doing, those that are qualified, those that, that have references and said, hey, I can do this and here's proof, right? You trust those guys. Jesus says, I will build my church. And throughout the New Testament, we see Jesus. He is the most qualified, the master builder doing just that with his church. He continues to build his church. I like this in Acts chapter two. We see them preach and then we see three thousand people come to trust christ as their savior they turn from their sins and they turn to jesus and call on jesus to save them and they're really known as that first church and who does it says is building the church right verse 27 it doesn't say that peter is building the church it doesn't say that john or any other man or woman is building the church and says this and the lord speaking of jesus and the lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved He says, I am going to build my church and we're called to be his church, to be his followers. We belong to him. We can trust him. 
Church Jesus has been the architect, the builder, the head, and the owner of the church since day one, right? And he will continue to build his church. I'm just going to say this. I think we can trust him. And if you need one more reason to trust in Jesus, know this. Jesus is the one that came and died to pay for your sins and to pay for my sins. He conquered death. He was buried. He died and he was buried, but he conquered death and he rose again as he promised. And his sacrifice paid the way for us to be his church. It made the way for us to be his forever and to be with him forever. Verse 21 Jesus is really telling us, telling them about this. He hasn't, at this point, he hasn't made his way to the cross yet. But he says this. He says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. And he must suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. And be killed. But he doesn't stop there. And he says this. And be raised on the third day. He says, this church I will build. And oh yeah, the gates of hell, death itself will not be able to overcome it. For us to be a church committed to following Christ, for us to be individuals that that, that are fully committed to follow Christ, we need to trust Him entirely. He has proven Himself to be the most trustworthy. When we place our trust in money, or in the government, or in another person. It just happens they're going to fail us at some point. But never with Jesus. So as committed followers of Jesus, we must know him personally. We must trust him entirely. And third is this, we must proclaim Jesus boldly. While others around them are not sure who Jesus is. You have Peter that hears from God and he confesses. He says, Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the living son of God. You are the one that has come to save us from our sins. That same Jesus calls us. He calls you and me, if we know Jesus, to be his witnesses. Right? To make disciples, to share Jesus and his gospel. And it starts here by us believing who Jesus is. The Christ, the one promised to come to seek and to save the lost. The church is built on the saving death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are his church and we're sent out to proclaim him. Jesus has and continues to build his church using us, right? Jesus does the saving, right? He's the one that does the adding. But he uses us, church. He uses us to to advance his kingdom and advance the church. How? By us sharing and proclaiming Jesus wherever we go. Telling others that he's the Christ, right? That he's Lord, that he is good, that he is God, and that he came to save them. We mentioned it earlier before, but Jesus says to us in Acts 1.8, He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. When we're saved, man, the Holy Spirit comes to be with us. And he says, and when that happens, he says, and you you will go and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Because we know him personally, because we trust him entirely, we can and must proclaim him boldly. 
Why? So that others can know Jesus personally and be saved. The fourth thing we see from this passage about Jesus comes from verse 24. It says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Listen to what he says. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If we want to be a committed follower of Christ, if we really want to be who Jesus has called us to be, if we really want that, he says, you want to follow me? Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Guys, it's not natural in our flesh to deny ourselves. If you're listening today and you don't know Jesus, this might sound odd to you, right? Because it's not, it's, not, it's not natural for us to deny ourselves. Our whole lives, we are told to put you first, to put us first, right? And that makes sense. We want to take good care of ourselves, right? We want to, we want to keep ourselves safe and healthy. We want to do that. But Jesus is saying here, he says, put me first. Deny yourself, put Jesus first. And then he says this, he says, take up your cross. When we think about the cross, I think we tend to have a good picture in mind. I think we tend to have a beautiful picture in mind when we think of the cross. You might be wearing jewelry right now that's in the shape of a cross. You might have something on your house Right, that's in that's a cross. You might have it tattooed onto you. You might you might like to draw it out. Whatever it is, when we look at the cross, we usually have a beautiful picture in mind, and that's for good reason. Because Jesus took something that was so gruesome and so evil and so horrendous, and He used that to save us eternally, to save us from our sins, to save us from hell. But here's the reality: when the disciples heard this. They're not picturing jewelry. They're not picturing some decoration on the wall. They are picturing a violent death. Jesus was saying, I need total commitment from you. Maybe even to death. Right? Jesus says, I just just need it all. Knowing Jesus personally is that big of a deal. Here's why. People's eternal lives are at stake. Your neighbor's eternity is at stake. When we want to fully surrender to Jesus, right? When we want to fully follow him, it's a full surrender deal to follow Christ. To be fully committed followers of Christ means this, to completely surrender to Jesus. Completely surrender to Jesus. Not on Sundays. Not on Wednesdays. Not just at some times. Not when it's comfortable. Not when you don't have anything else going on. Completely surrender to Jesus. So that Jesus becomes the center of your life. And so that Jesus becomes the center of your marriage. And he becomes the center of your family. And he becomes the center of your job. And he becomes the center of our church family. When we think about these disciples. And we look into later in life and what happened to them. Many of them lost their lives. For the sake of the gospel and for Jesus. 
the sacrifice of these men in Scripture, they gave up everything. Why? Because they knew Jesus and they trusted Jesus and they surrendered to Jesus. And they wanted others to know Jesus personally as their Savior. They gave up everything so that others would come to know Jesus and be saved. We have missionaries even today that give up everything. Why? Because they know Jesus and they trust him entirely. And they completely surrender to him so that they go and tell others about Jesus when he calls them to do that. And many times, if we're honest, church, let's just have a moment of of authenticity here, right? If we're honest, many times we struggle to give up TV time or couch time or game time or other things that we love. We struggle to give those up to tell others about Jesus. We struggle to give those things up to surrender to Jesus and what he's calling us to do. When Jesus says, follow me, What will that look like for you? And I believe that depends on your answer to the question, who do you say that Jesus is? Is he just a good guy? Is he just a good teacher? Is he just a man from history? Or is he Lord of your life? Is he your savior? Is he God? If he is Lord and savior and God, then he requires that personal relationship and he alone makes that possible. If he is Lord and Savior and God, then he is calling you to trust in him. Even now, during this hard time that we're walking through, he's calling on you to trust him. He's calling on you to proclaim him boldly to others. Guys, he's he's calling on you to surrender to him. Has there been a time in your life where you've said, Jesus, you are Lord. You're the one that saved me from my sins. You're the one that I need for the forgiveness of my sins so that I can have eternal life. I just want to ask you a question. If you're listening today, if you're watching today, is God talking to you? Is he leading you? Is he calling you to make that confession, to make that decision that Jesus is Christ? To call on Jesus to be Lord of your life. Jesus is Lord, but do we we call him to be Lord of our lives? Don't ignore that call. Trust in Jesus today. Guys, I'm I'm just laying this out there. Trust in Jesus today. He came and he died and he rose again for you. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10. That if we confess Jesus is Lord and we believe that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says that you will be saved. Not that you might or if you earn it. He says you will be saved. Just need to turn from our sins and confess that he is in charge. He's Lord. And know that he died on the cross for our sins and rose again. And I just am praying for you, if this is you today, that you would call on Jesus to save you from your sins and that you would trust in him, and that you would begin to follow Jesus as Lord of your life. Maybe you're here today, and you're watching, and you're sitting there, and you're listening, and you would say, you know what, I know Jesus. I trust Jesus. I know what he did. But that's kind of where it stops for you. Instead of being committed, maybe you're 
casually following Jesus. Maybe there was a time in your life where you were fully committed and now you're casually following him. Or maybe you've never really been fully committed. You just, you've just been kind of going along with it and casually following Jesus. And I want to ask you today, is God leading you today to move past that being a casual follower? Is he asking you to do that? He gave up everything for you and for me. And he's asking. He's now asking everything from you. What is God asking of you today? Might be different in your life than it is mine, but what is he asking of you today? Will you surrender to God and what he's asking of you? Will you trust him in that? Because if we know him, that leads us to trust him. And that leads us to tell others about him. And knowing him and trusting him leads to us surrendering to him. Is God using you in this time right now when people are confused and upset and stressed out and scared? Is God calling you to proclaim Jesus in one way or another to tell someone about, hey, there's a Jesus that came to save you. Jesus loves you. And guess what? Jesus can give you peace at this time. Maybe he's asking you to surrender to him in one way or another. As we close today, I want to ask this question. What's one step that you can take today based off of what we've heard from God's word today? What's that one step that you need to take today? Is it to know him personally? Is it to say, God, I need to trust you entirely? Is it to say, God, I need to begin to proclaim you boldly? Or is your step today to surrender completely to him? Sometimes we hear messages like this, and if we're Christians, we just kind of think, man, this is for those that don't know Christ. This is for us. Just challenge this church this morning. Jesus gave up everything for you. Will you completely surrender to him in whatever it is he's calling you to do? Let's pray. Father, we, we love you. And God, we thank you that you loved us so much. That you sent Jesus to live the life that we couldn't live. To suffer the pain that we deserve, to die the death we deserved. God, we thank you that Jesus was raised again on the third day. We look forward to celebrating that next week. God, we so much love you and thank you for loving us. And God, I pray, Lord, today, if there's someone watching today or listening in one way or another, God, I pray, Lord, if there's someone that is, that is watching or listening today that does not know Jesus as their Savior, that they would call on you to save them today. That they would say, Jesus, save me. I believe that you are God. I believe that you are Lord. I believe that you died for me and rose again. God, for those that know Jesus, those that would say they're Christians, that are saved, that are followers of Jesus, God, I pray, Lord, that you would, for me and for all of us, God, that we would just trust you more. God, that you would... 
Use us, and God, that we would we would step up and proclaim you boldly. And I pray, God, that we would surrender completely to you in whatever that is in our life. Maybe we're only surrendering Sundays right now, or maybe we're not even surrendering that. God, we pray, Lord, that we would hear clearly from you, not from me, from you, what you would have us surrender to you today. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, guys, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for being with us and worshiping. Um, Thank you, Becky, for leading us in worship. If you guys would go to our website, AuthenticLifeAZ.com, and let us just share your visit with us. We've got a connection card right there on that front page. I believe it's right below uh, where you're watching right now online. There's four buttons right there. There's there's one that says, here's your connection card or your sermon notes. And then there's one for your connection card. And there's one for prayer requests. And then there's one for, um, for tithes and offerings for giving. And so I just want to encourage you to utilize that. Um, share this message. And I want to encourage you guys, church, to to, to share the invites, share the, the information about next week and uh, encourage your friends and your family and your neighbors to gather around and and celebrate Easter. Um, I love you guys. I'm praying for you guys. I'm looking forward to the day where I get to see your faces again, right, face to face. And uh, and I pray that that us as a church we come back um, stronger and more excited to serve Jesus than ever before. If you need anything, please reach out. We love you. God's best to you.